Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about several things, actually. Okay, about Cyberpunk 2077 and also the works of Hideo Kojima. Separate, separate segments this time, related in some ways. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. What if I told you you could get a big snack almost anywhere for less than five bucks? Let's talk 7-Eleven's $3 big meal deal with seven rewards. Big meal deal is a big bite hot dog and a large big gulp drink. And you won't find a better snack deal anywhere else. Here's what I put on my hot dog. Mustard. And that's it. That's it. I love a hot dog with mustard. Maybe if the chili, if I'm feeling it, if I'm feeling crazy, maybe a little chili, maybe a little nacho cheese, but I'm a hot dog and mustard guy. But if that sounds like your kind of bite, visit 7-Eleven, valid through 1725. 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, applicable on large, big gulp only. Participating U.S. stores only. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let's just acknowledge up top here, it's the end of the year. And right now, Mike and I are dealing with the release of the last blockbuster video game of a console gen, Cyberpunk 2077. I mean, it's obviously out on consoles as well as PC. Uh, huge game. One of those sort of 100, 100 plus hour joints. And this game has had a eight year development cycle. A profound <laughs> grip on my people is what this is what this game yeah. has had. The the whole cyberpunk has on my people, nerds. That that is. The thing is that like it's been I cannot fathom what the marketing campaign was for this game. Um, I mean, like it has had cast rollouts like on par with that of like you know some sort of James Cameron epic. Or something, you know, it's a game that's been covered on Deadline as well as like, you know, GameSpot and Game FAQ or right. wherever it is that you get your game news, etc. It's like a genuine cultural phenomenon. I mean, this is a Keanu Reeves joint. Shoot. It's a Keanu it, it Reeves joint. Yeah, yeah, it's a Keanu Reeves joint. Yeah. And, and the tricky thing with video games in general, right, is you're never going to get a hundred hour season of television. You're never going to get a hundred hour movie that you got to cram out a review of. Video games have this thing where occasionally you're confronted with the Persona 5, a Death Stranding, a cyberpunk where, you know, fans and certainly reviewers, right? Reviewers, you go through all the hoops of getting advanced codes. Maybe you don't. Maybe only the elite of the elite critics get codes, stuff like that. And you don't really want to cram a game, especially if you're trying to be charitable to it. And I know that this podcast, Sound Only, is where I come to be loud and wrong about everything. It's where I come to get off my it's, contrarian it's where, angst. It's where we come to threaten each other with awful ideas and, yes. you know, to 
just yeah and like but all the same like it's 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 difficult it's a difficult game to talk about because i mean you know as a point of disclosure i'm maybe four to five hours into it because i mean i'm not gonna lie to you in the in all of the hoopla i was just kind of like you know what maybe i just don't need to download this game that's gonna make my base ps4 sound like a bow 747 and then crash it with all of the <laughs> um you know reported glitches and frame rate errors and motions but all this other stuff that all this noise right and I mean, like, I, I started to play it, but, like, most of it has been exposition or, like, getting used to, like, the mechanics of, like, the, uh, the uh, of Night City, which uh, Cyberpunk 2077 takes place in. But, I mean, that's also the nature of, like, Kojima games is just, like, there's a lot of throat clearing. Yeah. And we'll talk about Kojima games in the sort of latter half of this episode. You know, CD Projekt Red developed... Cyberpunk 2077. I also want to note something that Micah just brought up, which is an important divide on this podcast. Mike is playing on PS4. I am playing on PC. One thing in the roll, the rollout of Cyberpunk was a disaster because it, as Micah noted, bricked everybody's PlayStations and Xboxes because the game, <laughs> it's just the consoles can't handle it. And I feel like in a weird way, as much as people have just been unleashing all of their gamer rage on CD Projekt Red, I think a lot of, because of the, basically you just have a really buggy game, right? And I think mm -hmm. the company line on it and then the critical line on it has become in recent days that, oh, well, you know, it's really about how the last gen consoles can't handle it. It Let really me tell you is a lot. It's been like the conversation has become about how much of like the game's issues you can attribute to time and like hardware, et cetera. Like, yeah. and I mean, you know, I'm keeping a stack fifty with you. Like, it's I've it, it's a, it's something that like we would have gained clarity on if the game would have been, but like, you know, bottom line left in the oven to bake for another six to seven months. But but I also want to add though that I also think there's some misdirection in it because it's. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell you, I'm playing it on PC. The game looks like shit on PC too. You know what I mean? And it's been patched and stuff like that. And I really don't want to be the kind of I, I really have never liked the kind of gamers who just go on and on about the technical specs of stuff. But I, I sure. do just mean to say that for the record, you know, I, I played um you played control, right, Micah? Yes, I did play control. That's one of those games too. It's like late, you know, it's it's one of those this is what the future video games will look like. It has certain certain graphical components that are very next gen my computer handled that game fine you know what i mean like my computer uh -huh. handles control it, control looks beautiful that's a game i don't like a lot but uh -huh. control looks beautiful on my computer cyberpunk looks like resident evil 6 it looks <laughs> it, in spots cyberpunk looks worse than resident evil 6 and resident evil 6 came out eight years ago so that i just want to put that out there yeah, that has been. I mean, there is just. I'm I'm sure that there's like a technical term for this, but like you know the the sensation of riding shotgun into Night City in a muscle car, and like seeing P 
people populate 15 feet in front of the car. Yeah, or, they spawn into the map. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, you know, and yeah, to, to, to then, I mean, like, and then to also, like, have uh, faces just kind of be smooth and featureless for the first 15 seconds of dialogue. And then, you know, then they get all, like, porous and, you know, tactile and whatnot and they look like normal people up close but i mean the game just has it's just not like it just doesn't feel finished in very like you know crucial ways it has like it's just uh and i feel like this game was like re-released recently like a remastered for like you know this gen of uh consoles crisis the crisis Yo, yeah, <laughs> situation. Like the of somebody jokes, yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> it's just kind of like, hey, listen, uh, we're gonna be able, we're gonna have uh, these tropic locales, these exotic locales where you can see the 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 perspiration of you know this 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 humid climate like on the leaves as they blow in the wind from helicopter propellers and shit, and then the game like crashed every fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That is the legend of that game. I mean, yeah, even playing playing Cyberpunk reminds me of a game I really love that was in a similar conundrum generation-wise, uh, The Evil Within, a game I will talk people's ears off about anytime because I love talking mm-hmm. about that game as much as I love playing it. The Evil Within was sort of end of PS3, beginning of PS4, and that's a game that in some ways you look at it and the naturalism of that game and the, the you know it's a Shinji Mikami game and it's very cinematically directed but you know end of ps3 beginning of ps4 for a lot of people that game just ran at 0.5 frames per second and just crashed constantly and was a was a programming disaster right it just was it just bricked everybody's consoles for a long time runs horribly on pc and it's one of those games i think there are a lot of games like that that sort of if you let them age a bit, if you open the bottle and let it breathe, you know, maybe with time you can appreciate something like it. And yeah, that's it's also, games that yeah. were just like that arrive on, you know, as we've talked about on past episodes, I'm sure, like the cusp of a console generation. If it came out, it's just a, a, a situation of like wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, yeah. But I think we say all that, or at least I, look, I say all this stuff to say, that man cyberpunk is one of those games that the hype cycle curdled after a point you could just tell that obviously people are just on face value frustrated by how buggy the game was at release and how how buggy it still is but people you know it that that game is a pinata at the moment (laughs) um and well it was like it's it's one of those games that you were exhausted by before it even arrived yeah totally totally it's just because there was so much noise around how much of it critics had been allowed to play before launch day, whether or not it was actually finished, the amount of uh, crunch that was happening as the release date approached, uh, deals that like, or some sort of stuff that Project Red had to work out with the the FCC to, uh, you know, deal with potential streaming rights issues because of the music that they oh, were right. going to include yeah. in the game like mm-hmm. before it even came out it's just it was there was a lot of noise around it totally and it's it it that was that's more frustrating for me too cuz otherwise i think 
you know, the darker, colder months of the year, right? Or when I usually am in the mood to deal with the game that's doing too much. You know what I mean? This is yeah, usually it's like when you I want to in. be held hostage by it. That's like yeah, that is normally, typically, I want to at this time of year. What you what you texted me on Saturday was escaped cyberpunk by driving out of town. Like it's because <laughs> it really is a game that like grabs you, sits you down, and it's just kind of like this is happening. You know, yeah. this is this is what's going. It doesn't take really. It doesn't take time to explain itself to you really. It just is, you know, all go. Yeah, and it's all go and no stop, like no stop until two weeks later. That that's really the problem with it. Um, and so yeah. that all that being said, though, th- I think that's why we're gonna sort of mostly kick discussion of cyberpunk in earnest to next week when we also do a mailbag episode. You know, I think we can sort of punctuate our responses to listeners with you know, more specific discussion of the themes of that game, the, you know, characters, plot, gameplay, the whole experience, the immersive experience of cyberpunk. Welcome to Night City. Immerse yourselves, gamer. We can talk about it in those immersive terms in greater detail next yeah, week. Yeah, after we have, you know, requisitely immersed ourselves. Like, right. I, I feel like it's just, there's so much of the, the game to play and we've we've we have crammed games before like i've certainly oh yeah i can imagine us being like okay let's play as much as possible and talk about it this week but it's just it's one of those games that because it's become such a pinata at this point i actually do want to sort of pump brakes and be like you know what we're not gonna cram it we're gonna be charitable we're not necessarily gonna be nice but we're gonna be charitable we're gonna gonna let some patches come out you know yeah yeah Let it get cute a little bit, and then yeah. we will yeah. then we will address it in earnest. Yeah, absolutely. But right now, you know, I'm I'm like the the, the sole thing that I will say about Cyberpunk 2077 is that like I was upset by the 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 venue music that ruined what might have been the most enjoyable part of the first game for me, which was the customization, uh, because it was just like this really intense type music, like from. <laughs> You know, yeah. like the, you know what I'm talking about. It's like the, you know, you remember those. Uh, Listen, Cyberpunk 2077 wants to be the Katana Zero soundtrack so bad. And if you don't know what I mean by that, please, people, go play Katana Zero. Soundtrack it's, it's, slaps, it's, game slaps, go play it. Yeah, it's like it's it's grainy PSA music. It's like you it's it's you wouldn't steal a car music. It's like you, so therefore you you can't <laughs> And I mean, you know, it I it made me rush through which shade of fingernail polish I was going to use and I resent that. I just wanted to get that out before next week. Uh okay, so I feel like post Kojima leaving Konami in uh, what year was that? Was that 2014, 15? I mean, like the games that he's been producing have been like specifically engineered to like be difficult to review (laughs) just because they take a long time to unfold. Like, I mean, I feel like there was also like a similar, similarly weird discussion or opaque discussion happening around Death Stranding. Like a sensation that I got looking at the coverage of it was just like, okay, but 
can anyone tell me whether or not it's a fun game to play though? Like, yeah, I found that frustrating too. I will say that like that sensation you're talking about of why is everybody being so pretentious about this? (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like, can you like, okay. Talk to me a little bit about like participating in the first round of death stranding madness. Not just like, you know, we're looking back at this before the new Kojima game comes out, like I was doing a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, so we were talking about earlier, when we were talking about cyberpunk, right? How we have, you know, at various points had to cram a game. And I remember Death Stranding, you know, that was another game, much like cyberpunk, where the hype cycle for it, because, you know, you have video game director Hideo Kojima, you know, he'd emancipated himself from Konami Productions. He, uh, you know, from Konami, uh, the the major video game studio, and he was going independent and he is this quirky guys into history and American film and he just has weird taste and he has lots of weird otaku tics and he's the perfect mashup of American dad bro and Japanese otaku culture, right? It's just this perfect storm of gamer sensibilities. Yeah. It's just, it's the best, like, the games are, like, this mix of, like, American exceptionalism and, like, just weird, intensely, like, atmospheric weirdness and, like, intensely strange video game bullshit. Right. Um, Stuff that's, like, difficult to, like, stuff that is... <sighs> and also political critique. That's the other yes, thing. Yes, also, the, also right. political commentary. Yes, uh, a lot and- of that. And that, that part's important because it that ingredient, right, in Kojima games is what created, I think, that real critical salivation for, oh, we can't wait to get into this game. And that's even, that, that was with Death Stranding, right? I would say by the time that game comes out, I actually think you have counter movement like against Kojima right you have a sense of Kojima eh, he's gotten kind of annoying eh, he's kind of jumping the shark here a little bit not even in his games right I mean I think there are people who I love Metal Gear Solid 5 which is his last game as you know an employee of Konami before he goes on to do Kojima Productions right mm-hmm. and I could just you know with Death Stranding the hype for that game was so in, in the trailers for it, right? You just see Norman Reedus naked on a beach holding a baby, <laughs> sobbing while covered in crude oil and surrounded by angels that Dead look like demons. And yeah, it's yeah. just it's like it's it's really like you know, with a with like with what something that looks like like a cesarean scar on his stomach. Like it's it's, yeah. it's like a weird it's and sobbing. Really, He's just sobbing, yeah. And and it's just it's just kind of like it's so infant sorrowy to me. I'm sorry. Like, because it's just kind of like a statement is for sure being made here, but there's so many mixed metaphors yeah. that I just can't follow. Yeah. It's, but it's why it's, I'm glad you act because it's, it's, it brings me back to a time where instead of being confronted with something like that and rolling my eyes and being like, I just left town to not have to play this game, instead, I was <laughs> really ready to play that game. You know, I was yeah. ready. I was emailing six different press people at Sony like get I need the advanced codes so I can write my magnum opus about this game. You know what I mean? It yeah. was that kind of deal. Um 
so that's the best I can do to explain to you, right? That that context from my expectations. I love the Metal Gear Solid games. Mm-hmm. I love PT. You know, I I do is is a is sort of over the top and too twee by half as Kojima can seem sometimes. I buy into that bullshit. I'm sorry. I, I do though. Like Metal Gear, you played Metal Gear Solid 2 and I played it in what, what year was that? 2000? You know, like you I mean, played that game and it, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the, the sense in which. I mean, like, okay, wait, I, cause I, cause I personally have never played Metal Gear Solid 2. Okay. And, but there is. Which Metal Gear Solid games have you played? I have played Metal Gear Solid 4, 5, uh, Rising, and yeah, that was it, actually. I mean, and I've I watched my friend play a part of Metal Gear Solid 3. I've like enough to enough to develop an attachment to Ocelot. Oh, okay. Well that's I mean that's good. I hate Metal Gear Solid 3. We can talk about that later. We we stick with Death Stranding for now. Yeah, okay. But Okay, yeah. All right. Well, we'll still we'll stick with Death Stranding. So, talk to me about why. Like, you're only re- you've only recently gotten around to Death Stranding, right? Yes, I've only recently out of see because the 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 my the 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 critical viewpoint that I'm approaching this from is honestly morbid curiosity because yeah. like Kojima games are not the type of games that I typically go in for even though like i do like i like a good involved weird story and like yeah. you know action etc it's just like they always seem like such a hill to climb to me <laughs> yeah but, you're talking about a guy who makes hour-long cutscenes. you know yeah i mean age, like yeah. it's I, I but even so like i played metal gear solid 4 from start to finish and it's one of the best games i've ever played and i cried multiple times during it I'm gonna be real with you. I, Metal Gear Solid Four is the one game I haven't played. I've watched Let's Play, really, of it. Yeah, and it looks yeah. exhausting. I felt exhausted just watching people play it. Um, two hours. It's like two hours of an, an hour and forty-seven minutes of cutscenes. Yeah, yeah, like to start off. Like yeah. it's it's a lot. It's a lot to handle. But um, yeah, I mean, I approached Death Stranding like with most Kojima games, like I was worn down somehow into playing it. Right. Um, well, just real quick, by, like, just real quick that, you know, death training is enough phenomenon. I think a lot of people will know what we're talking about. We let's, let's both take turns summarizing for the listener. What that game is about. I can start first since I, okay. You know. All right. You go first. Um, <laughs> Well, to answer your previous thing about why why can no one explain to me what this game is? What the game is is simple. It's Norman Reedus. It's a walking travels, sim. Yeah, he, yeah. he travels um, from the East Coast to the West Coast delivering packages and, and also a baby. I That's it. Like, yeah. That's, no, but see... You can't and also, both, and also, no, all the humanity lives underground. You, you can't do both of our, you can't do both of our jobs. I'm the one that's supposed yeah. to be given the honest seven second trailer version of, okay. of, of this fair. game, and you were well, the one actually, that was okay. supposed to be waxing poetic as you were doing. Like, okay, fine. Okay, okay. You 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 do the seven you do the seven second pitch then of how what your impression has been so far. Okay, try not to be biased about you know by how I just described it. Okay, okay, okay. 
sad agoraphobe travels to isolated remaining American cities uh-huh. delivering packages. Connecting to people who live underground. Quote unquote, to people who live underground, yes. Um, I mean, you know, there is probably something very profound and poignant being said about the fact that this, the guy's, the, the, the main character's name is Sam Porter Bridges and his only actual name is Sam and Porter is his job and Bridges is his company. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, it, like so far, it's just, you know, walking, climbing, breathing, watching cutscenes with Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> yes! But okay, this is the thing, right? This is the thing about Death Stranding that I, I honestly, I, I wish there had been more reviews at the time of that game that directly put Death Stranding in conversation with the Metal Gear Solid games. Because, like, you brought up Metal Gear Solid 4, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason, and I, again, I've watched people play that game. I've never played it myself, mostly because I just didn't, that was like a PS3 game and I didn't have PS3. Um, Metal Gear Solid 4, Really, in Metal Gear Solid 3 is a part of this too. And two to, Metal Gear Solid 2 to some extent. But basically, Metal Gear Solid 4 to me represents this moment when you, you cannot talk Hideo Kojima out of the idea that he is a master storyteller. Oh, right? my and so God. You just get it's, it's, it really is. <laughs> like, I mean... He thinks he's writing Gilgamesh. It is. It is like, it's profound... Like the extent to which Death Stranding forces you to stop to appreciate the work it took to build it. No, like, see, I disagree with this because if you compare it to Metal Gear Four, Metal Gear Solid Four is a game where I think that about. Okay, right? no, 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 no. I, I mean, like down to the mechanics of the gameplay for the first couple, for the first however many hours, like building suspense out of like walking downhill. Like, because you need to keep it, like, I mean, like, it's just kind of like, you need to, like, making walking difficult, making, making is making situations where, creating situations where you, as, you know, a playable character are actively want to avoid violence because you suck at, like, dealing with it. Yeah. Like, (laughs) is, feels like... I just like it just it's, it feels like, you know, a commentary on video games and also like it makes me work too hard to enjoy it. Well, the working too hard part is real, right? Like to me, um, the complaints about like whenever anybody frames their criticism of Death Stranding as, oh, it's just a game where you just do this. To me, it's mm-hmm. like, well, look, the problem with the Metal Gear Solid games after a point was that they became just info dumps, right? They became these super arduous, super explicit, super convoluted and over-involved plot machines. And even a game like Metal Gear Solid Five, which is, that game is plagued by the fact that, you know, it's like, that game is when Kojima leaves Konami and there's a whole bunch of corporate interference that that colors that game and the game is half finished and kind of ends abruptly even the way it's structured and you can tell it's just because that game was made during the falling out of Hideo Kojima and Konami right um and a lot of people look at the game and they're like this game is just a testament to corporate 
you know, interference. And also it's just clearly broken and was made under less than ideal circumstances. And you can tell, right? Because in Metal Gear Solid 5, there's just this sense in which you're playing a bunch of missions that are loosely connected, but they don't have any of that super plotty continuity that you would normally associate with the best Metal Gear Solid games. But to me, I remember at that point when that, you know, when I got around to playing Metal Gear Solid 5, that felt like a relief to me, right? The fact that you spend large stretches of time in Metal Gear Solid 5 just sort of riding around on a horse or walking around or crawling through the desert in Afghanistan. Yeah. Or, or the, rolling or, on one of those little weird two-footed ATV things. Yeah. Like, mo- like honestly, being in transit is mostly what I remember about the game. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, like it's a sp- like it's a sprawling open world. Like, at, like I was ultimately I was daunted by it, which is like why I put it down. Like, at, like most Kojima, I mean, like it was like a couple hours into it, it's just like wow, I could go anywhere. I could I could build like literally any kind of paramilitary corporation, and I just don't know how to even begin. <laughs> right, and that that sense of a lot of people take what you're describing. And I think the way they reacted to Metal Gear Solid 5, which precedes Death Stranding, right? They reacted to Metal Gear Solid 5 with this sense of, oh, this just feels like an Ubisoft game. This just feels like a modern open world, you know, level your systems up, blah, 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 shoot people, blah, blah, blah game. And to me, I just, I never really got that characterization. I think Metal Gear Solid 5 feels meditative in a way that I would never describe an Ubisoft game as feeling meditative. I think you can see it's i don't know it's a game that does feel half finished and it, and it does feel inconclusive in this really i think profoundly melancholic way even but i think that game is meditative in ways that hint at what a lot of the stuff that kojima productions does in death stranding and i think all of those ideas and themes in just the experience of holding a controller and playing Metal Gear Solid 5, they're just blown up and blown out in Death Stranding in a way that I I find just really, it's relaxing, but also challenging in a very distinct way. Like if you want the, if you want the feeling of playing Death Stranding, you have to play Death Stranding. There's no other game in your library that you're going to go to, to scratch that itch, right? Like it, Mm -hmm. it gets down to what you're saying about how difficult it is to walk. The fact that you're carrying packages and you don't even have to load that many packages onto Sam's it's, legs. It's back. really like it, it It actually is like Sam is not any stronger or more resilient than I mean, like you would be. Yeah. The only difference is that like he likes being alone in the woods. <laughs> like, totally, totally. It's it, he I mean, like, yeah, it's just kind of you have to think about it if you're. Like in the like the very first mission is like delivering smart drugs to like some city where you know Margaret Qualley is like you know checking in uh like all the all the deliveries anyway along the way you have the option to pick up the third stray dro- drop package that you see along the route to the city and you have already two on your back one in your left hand and. That means that when you are going down even a slight incline, like a four and a half on a treadmill, (laughs) 
Like there's a there's a possibility that you could lose your bill your balance and tip over. Like yeah. if you were actually carrying that, you know, number of packages just you person playing this game. And this isn't even it's not just like, oh, you might fall and drop your packages and have to pick them all up again. It's a game that's like, no, if you drop your packages, you damage your packages. And now you, your customer's gonna be mad. Now you've dan you know, this thing is worthless. Yeah, you and then you I mean? get thumbs you get dislikes on your on your thing and like it's like the the it's just there are so many things to think about. Yeah. And I, I think even, at you know, when I wrote about Death Stranding at the time, I think a lot of people, I think it's obvious enough when you play that, you know, a thing you'd remark on is that, oh, wow, Sam Porter Bridges is vulnerable. He carries packages and, you know, he falls down and he's carrying a baby and he doesn't know how to take care of this baby. But I think the, I think the broader thing that makes the game fascinating to me is that that that's happening in a context where, like in the larger video game landscape, a thing I find frustrating is that otherwise, apart from Death Stranding, the major theme in video games is player empowerment, right? It's, it's the sense in which you, the easiest way to pitch a game to a gamer is to say, hey, you're the protagonist and you're cool and you're powerful and you have the best guns and you know, it takes an enemy 10 shots to kill you. It only takes you two shots to kill the enemy. You know, it's a stormtrooper effect. Yeah. A hundred people yeah. shooting at you, they can't hit you, but you can kill everybody in the room. And I think video yeah. games in general, right? At least, you know, violent video games, right? Combative video games. They thrive on that. They thrive on that feeling of you, you're basically just sort of pandering to the player a lot of the time. Yeah, right. that's true. And I mean, like, it is... And I mean, I am... Yeah, I, like, I am I am one of the more basic consumers when it comes to video games. Like, I, mean, I want to not shoot. feel like I'm swinging a pool noodle when I, when <laughs> I have, like, you know, a melee weapon. And I want to feel like um, I'm shooting actual bullets and not, uh, you know, buttons or something. Like, I, I, like it's just, I've, it's... It is like a very frustrating like experience if you are looking for a particular kind of experience because it gives you a different kind of thing from one moment to the next. For sure. And it's one thing I'm thinking about is like, okay, Sam Porter Bridges, he carries packages, he carries a baby. He falls down a lot, right? He's just walking on rocks. He's constantly hiking, falls down a lot. There are automobiles in the game. The automobiles, though, again, this is Grand really Theft work. Auto. Yeah, this is Grand Theft Auto. You have all these automobiles. They'll blow up if you hit a single thing, basically. You know, they run out of gas. They run out of EV range. You know, the game really... And the, my favorite, I think, element of Death Stranding is how accompanying to all this, right, is the soundtrack is really good at the little stings or the little shifts in the musical score. Whenever you fall down, whenever some, whenever a pratfall occurs, the music just really rubs it in your face that you're fucked. You can't even walk like an adult. But man. also, but also like, yeah, but like also the big, the, the big musical numbers where the big soaring ones where the camera like pans out and you see where it is that you're at. Like those are those are actually moving. The, the the sound design in the game is really good. Like I mean, and I mean, like it fucking has to be because there's nothing to do for a lot of it, and everything to do also. But I mean, like you know, by now if you're listening to this, you get the point of yeah. that. Like there's a lot to do in Death Stranding and also nothing. Much ado about nothing. 
the story of Death Stranding. Right, but it's there's a big difference to me between a game that feels vapid versus a game that can let you hear yourself think. And I know, like, there's this, there's, look, there's a certain level of pretense that's just impossible to avoid with Kojima after a certain point. But I do think yeah. it's the latter with, with Death Stranding and even with Metal Gear Solid Five, right? Oh, I mean, like, it's, it's, I, I mean, like, I would never say that it, like, does, like, it is a very studied, detailed, but, like, meticulously detailed nothing that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's an existential nothing that you're doing. An existential nothing that you're facing. Therefore, like, you know, man against himself, like we were talking about offline. Yeah, it's like, it's just, it's impossible to avoid all of the mendacious stuff around, like, uh, how the game is supposed to function, like, out in the world and, like, what it's supposed to mean, etc. But, like, it does, like, they, they do do some profound things. Right. And one thing I would bring up, one thing I'd say about, Death Stranding and con- because again, big, long, expansive game that's trying to be the cutting edge of its medium, right? Death Stranding to me, despite how vast it feels, and frankly, to f- despite how aimless, how I think stylistically aimless the game lets Sam Porter Bridges get, that game to me is dripping with confidence with the kind of experience it wants to create for the player. I can definitely find, I definitely get the idea that it's maybe a bit too up its ass, you know, or or that one has to be in the right mood to want to play Death Stranding. But I think at least that game is so clear about the kind of experience it wants to sell to you in a way that Cyberpunk more so feels like a game that wants to sell everything to you. It feels kind of like a Kia commercial or something where you're just like, it's trying to sell everything to you. And just hoping that one of its pitches sticks. Yes. Um, and yeah, I don't know, man. That's I think that's why, as much as I don't think there are any 100-hour video games I want to play right now, or, you know, less than, you know what I mean, super long video games I want to play right now, mm-hmm. I would definitely rather replay Death Stranding, frankly, than continue to play Cyberpunk. Even though I actually <laughs> am becoming a bit more, I'm warming to Cyberpunk a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we can talk about that more next week. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Um, there are times when you just want to overcommit yourself to a video game. Well, sure. I understand, like, wanting to overcommit yourself to a video game. And specifically, like, this would be the time of year to do that. I think that, like, yearly tradition for, like, coming home for the holidays was me and my brother because, like, our parents never have it, let us have the main TV is, like, taking the one, like, 35-inch two TV that was in the storage room and putting it on the dinner table in the computer room. Yeah. And picking one co-op game and playing it from start to finish. There's like a very specific mood that you're that you are in in the holidays. Where it's just kind of like I, you know, I just want to vibe with something for several hours, and I wanted to be very involved, and I want to be very enthralled by it, and I want to not think about it that much after it's over. It's JRPG season, baby. It's RPG season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ain't shit open. You ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> You know, it's just, you might as well ride on horseback to Minas Tirith, you know, yeah. or whatever it is, it, it is that you're choosing to do at this, at this juncture. But yeah, cyberpunk, like, even so, like me having that sensation, cyberpunk was just kind of like, ah, uh, it's still too much. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, you know, the best way I would describe for people who are going to maybe around the time they're listening to this, maybe start getting into cyberpunk, you know, just boot up the game for the first time. One thing I, I was very disarmed by is, um, I don't want to spoil, we can spoil stuff in the next episode. Right. But there is a, there's a betrayal sequence, right. Early in the game. And that betrayal sequence feels like it's happening in a different game. It would feel like this betrayal sequence is happening at roughly this midway point of the game, or maybe a third into it. And it in Cyberpunk, it's like cursory. It feels, yeah. it feels, yeah, it feels cursory. Like this is like a, this is a part of like this is this is just like you know the seventeenth page of of like you know the first menu or whatever. Yeah, like it's, it's, you get it. It the feels like a customization after, option. But you remember this, right? <laughs> it's like after this betrayal happens, you get the title card, and I, I just remember staring in disbelief at my computer of like, I feel like I've been playing this game for twenty hours. You go hit me with this title card, like we're just playing the. I'm playing the intro still again. A lot of throat clearing, so much throat clearing. There's, I mean, it's just. I can't explain any of the conversations that happen in the first couple of hours of the game. Like, there's so many proper nouns, so much already going on in living memory of Night City. There's also, like, an established dynamic between you and so many different characters. But, I mean, it doesn't make sense <laughs> from one line of dialogue to the next. It's like, you can't pay too close attention to anything. Yes, I I agree with you. Although I do think that that starts to it gets easier to do that, but yeah, I think in the beginning definitely. Um, I don't know what is the, what is though the last game you've given yourself over to in a way that felt, you know, compliant. <laughs> oh, you mean like where the, where you really I, were like I actually am enthusiastic to lose myself in this game. 
Because to oh, me, it was like Persona 5 easy. Royale, which is nuts easy. because I also played Persona 5, which is a 100-hour video game. And then I just played it again when it got re-released. But. Like, I mean, it's very easy. Like, it's Ghost of Tsushima like, oh, was the last right. game that I, like, was just, I am going to play this until my eyes hurt. Can you sell this me is... on, yeah, pitch me on that because I actually haven't played it yet. And I, you've mentioned it every now and again. You wrote about it, right? Yeah, I did write about it. It is... Honestly, it's this open it's, a, it's an open world game where you are it's happening during the Mongol invasion of Japan in the 1200s. And you are basically roaming like Tsushima Island uh toppling occupied territory using subterfuge guerrilla warfare tactics for the first time that it's happening in history. Uh, you know, the quote unquote. Anyway, uh, like it's just like a very beautiful game, and also the combat is like so enjoyable. Like the stealth attack, uh, the stealth elements obviously leave a little bit to be desired, but I hate stealth elements in every game, um, because I think that they just like really tend to reveal where the game is like buggiest. Well, that's your Metal Gear problem. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, like it's, it's the Metal Gear problem. But I mean, like it's. But I mean, there are so many things that are. I mean, there's there's. That's like maybe the only thing I don't love about the game. Okay. I mean, like even the multiplayer, it it translated so well into multiplayer. I wasn't expecting it to, but Tsushima Legends is like the most fun thing to play online in my personal opinion. What is the online what, okay so what's the multiplayer for Ghost and the multiplayer for, for Tsushima is like you have raids uh, you have situations where you are like fighting off waves of enemies and defending several spots on a single map and there is a group of you basically fighting off these waves together. There's you know 20 15 to 20 in all and it's just like survival and it's like it's it's really i'd like the way that i'm describing it sounds like very simple and it is like very simple they also have like co-op online missions but um like it doesn't try to do it doesn't try to do too much which is like why the online works so seamlessly let the record reflect that micah peters has not ever confronted me in a single multiplayer game online, despite the fact that I play several, including Rainbow Six Siege, including Street listen, Fighter V, including listen, Overwatch. Listen. Uh, let the record also show that uh, Charity is big cap, because like he's trying to like characterize it as if I've been ducking him ducking all this fades. time. But this is the first I'm ever hearing of it, and I am ready, if and when, he wants to sort that problem out, Oof. you know? That's the thing, though. I, I really, I don't know. Ever since, it might just be that there's a point where you burn yourself out and you got to take a year off. I think I did that with Persona 5 Real and Persona 5, right? Um, yeah. I don't, I, I'm, I don't know why I, I've played through, like, combined, I've played through those games three times. Persona 5 twice and then Persona 5 Real once. 
So that's uh-huh. like 320 hours that's of my so, life. That is so much I don't know time. what's wrong with me. You know what I mean? I can't account for those hours of my life. If the FBI detained me and asked me. You know what? I felt that in the desperation when you were just kind of like, Micah, play Persona 5. Play Persona 5. Play, play Make this mean something It's like you hooked me. on something and you're trying to get other people. Yeah. that That is the worst thing, though. It's like it's like addiction issues, right? You just... You 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 hooked on something and you all you can do is drag other people into your shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, you need to play Sushi Bell Legends for real. Oh, my you know? God. But I think that... I don't know. I definitely think that certainly during the pandemic, there is not a single campaign based game like that's that's why I kind of don't want to blame like a lot of my impatience with cyberpunk right I really don't want to take it out on that game because I do think it's a at least with me it feels like a more general thing where Mm -hmm. the only thing in the past year I've been able to give myself over to like that in the way that I did Death Stranding or Persona 5 Real is is mostly just multiplayer stuff is competitive multiplayer games um Everything everything other than that feels daunting. Like a new Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy 16 could drop out of nowhere, and I probably wouldn't want to play that either. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just a lot of inertia to overcome. Just because, like, it's 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 like at the end of the day, it's like also it's it's playing a video game is also like trying to read a book is also like trying to complete a season of television. It's just kind of like we are. <sighs> It's like hopefully this will this will hit strong enough in the first couple of hours to break the monotony of the last couple of of the last year, you know. And if it doesn't, then I'm just gonna be annoyed by it. <laughs> yeah, I will say on that note, I do think that as much as with Cyberpunk, as I thought the Keanu Reeves casting in that game is just gonna be. Oh, this is just some stunt casting. This is going to feel marginal. There's no way that this is going to work the same way that this, the, you know, like the Mads Mickelson casting in Death Stranding and Norman, you know, the high, the high wattage casting in Death Stranding, mm-hmm. you know, compare that to Cyberpunk. And I just sort of assumed that the Keanu Reeves role in Cyberpunk would feel like a gimmick. And strangely enough with Cyberpunk, I actually think that Keanu Reeves incorporation in that game is the moment when the game at least starts making sense. Like it's it, like what you were saying before about how in the beginning of the game it just feels like conversations are happening but they don't really follow from each other or connect into each other, right? And it I, begins to like abide by a certain logic yeah. after Keanu Reeves shows up. A lot like life, you yeah. Know? Well, a lot like life, but it does. <laughs> you know, I I don't even want to give it that much credit. It's not a profound Keanu Reeves thing. It just does feel like, for whatever reason, the game until Keanu Reeves is introduced feels like it does not honor super basic storytelling principles you know it's so for something that isn't even really an open world game at that point it feels so discombobulated um and so i at least will will counsel people that if you really do want to give the game a chance at least sort of play through to when you start dealing with keanu reeves when you start you know what i mean like when you start dealing with johnny silverhand and i don't know i i at least at that point, at that turning point felt like, okay, I can feel good about continuing to play this and seeing where this thing is going to go. Because for a while, for a while in the, I guess it's just prologue of Cyberpunk, I really did feel like, yo, this game is just glorified Grand Theft Auto. 
Like this game has no sense of what it is. And it really hopes you just, it apparently just hopes you will think it's really fun to beat up pedestrians, you know, and get followed by the cops on loop, rinse and repeat. Yeah, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna give it more time. We will give it more time. I at least feel good about the game now. I do think we'll have a good conversation about it next week. Uh, that said, we've gotten some good mailbag emails so far. A lot of them have been about anime, so know that anime will be well represented. We're gonna we're, we have, yeah, we're one hundred percent gonna be talking about anime, anime on the year end episode. We have a lot of anime questions. <laughs> <laughs> also, feel free <laughs> to ask us or to talk to us really about music, uh, about games, TV, games, but specifically film. cyberpunk. Because I, I do think the main sort of like in between questions, we probably will try to get deeper into cyberpunk. So, by all means, email us your cyberpunk questions at soundonlypod at gmail.com. Oh, otherwise, th- th- we were also going to be shouting out our producer, Erica Cervantes, this week, who puts up with our shit every week. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, big, big shouts out to, to Erica. <laughs> we are so sorry. <laughs> Yo, remember when we did Cowboy Bebop and Erica was just like, okay, I'm going to go uh, binge watch Cowboy Bebop. I'm, just I'm like, like yeah. Erica, what is wrong with you? Dedication. That's what that is. Uh, Erica. I need you to, and you know, obviously your voice is not on here, but not blink twice if you promise me that you will not, in your production duties, play. Cy- you don't have to play Cyberpunk, Erica. Please don't do that. Uh, that's that's just. I mean, that's just <laughs> that is reason. our and, burden. Know, that is the burden of me and Micah Peters, and we would not, we would not wish that upon you. In any case, we're going to see y'all next week. This has been Sound Only. I'm Micah Peters. I'm Justin Charity. See y'all next week.